This podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not to be construed as an offer, solicitation, recommendation, or endorsement of any particular security, product, or service. For more information, visit AssetBuilder.com. From the Asset Builder headquarters in Dallas, Texas, welcome to Keep It Simple, a show that discusses simple techniques and philosophies to help de-stressify investors around the world. I'm your host, Jared Herzog, and welcome to the show. All right, welcome back, everyone. This is the Keep It Simple podcast. We're here, us at Asset Builder, talk about all things uh, finances. So uh, here we are. And today's topic, I think we're going to talk about things to ask your advisor and, and questions to have prepared for when you have a meeting with your advisors so that hopefully um, your advisor will ask you good questions and you'll have an answer ready to go. So uh, that is, uh, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Adam, how are you doing? Man, I'm feeling good. Do you know what? Good. Do you know what episode number this is? Uh, do I win a prize if I get it right? Sure. Cash prize. Sure. <laughs> sure. If you get it right, I'll pay you the number of dollars that the episode that it is. Oh, uh, okay. Shoot, but I think it's. Uh, I really want to say it's like fifty six. Oh, close. Seventy four. No, oh, I wanted to guess in the 70s, 74. but I, I was going to guess 76. But so we got to think it, we're going to do something Dang. special for 100. It's a big milestone. Uh, but yeah, 74th episode yeah. today. I think it's a great topic that we're going to be talking about today. Um, and this is geared, I think, a little bit more toward, you know, we we think a lot of times are thinking like, well, what would we say to our clients? You know, obviously we have a lot of clients listen, but, you know, based on our numbers, the majority of people listening are not clients. Just that's mm-hmm. the math. Mm-hmm. So um, I think based on kind of some of the topics we talk about, wanted to focus on maybe reaching those folks that don't currently work with an advisor, people yeah. that don't have somebody in their life that gives them financial advice. Um, and obviously, given what we do for a living, I think there's a lot of value, at least for a lot of people, there's a lot of value in working with an advisor. So I think the thought is to just maybe run through, well, if someone's going through that process, if you're trying to vet someone to play that part in your life, yeah. what are some questions that that you should ask them? And even what are some questions that they should probably be asking you? Yeah, no, really. Um, I mean, for all for all practical purposes, it's an interview, yeah, right? Absolutely. Like it really is. You want to trust someone, you want to... Uh, trust the person that you're giving yeah. your money to, right? And and it's not, and for you, right? It's or for the person with the the money, like that's that's harder than savings. That's hard. That's hard fought money. So yep. um, you definitely want to trust that person. Um, well, so, yeah. and not all advisors. There's a lot of different ways to invest. Um, there's a wide range of service offerings in terms yeah. of some firms are you know one stop shop. They do everything from mm-hmm. taxes to estate planning. Some are you know solely investment. The investment side of it. So, you know, helping you kind of think through that process and learning as you kind of talk to different advisors, what they do and how they do it to make yeah. sure they're a good match for you. Because if there's one thing that doesn't work that I, I can tell you from experience is advisor hopping, right? Oh, yeah. Going from one advisor to the next. And typically you see that when it's just performance related. Well, this yeah. advisor got me negative return this year. I'm out, right? Yeah. That's not going to work regardless of the advisor. So yeah. whoever you you work with, you need to stick with, right? Yeah. Because any advisor needs time to be able to do their job well. Um, so it's important that if you're going to be in a long-term relationship, just like with any long-term relationship in your life, it's important that you, you know, pick pick the right person. Yeah. Do the interview process early. Ask the hard questions early yeah. instead of figuring out later That's on, like, what did I get into? So Exactly. Um, so yeah. So I think uh, I've, I've got a list here. Um, and this this list came from, honestly, one source. And it was the, the Intelligent Investor. Highly recommend the book. Yep. 
It is, I'm not going to lie, Benjamin, ben Graham. ben Graham is incredible. So it's an all-timer. It is, but it's rather difficult to understand. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. If, you, if you need to take your time reading that book, by all means. But uh, yeah, these questions came from that book and I just think they're they're a really good list. We're not going to cover all the questions because it is extensive, but um, definitely um, definitely a good list. So the first one I want to talk about, and, and I think this is almost a no-brainer, but really something like, hey, this is a really like... Um, important question to ask right off the bat. Like, what is your investing philosophy? So question from client or potential client to advisor. Yeah. What is your uh, investing philosophy? Yeah. And and it should be, if not, you know, the first question, it should be the first couple of questions that yeah. you ask because there are so many ways to invest, mm-hmm. right? I mean, from you know, buying individual stocks and bonds to buying futures, to buying options, to buying index funds to actively manage funds. I mean, the list is, you know, long. And so it's important that you learn from that advisor. What do, how do they view the world of investing? Like Mm -hmm. what is investing for? What role does investing play in their life and their clients' lives? And kind of how is that going to form the basis of their recommendations to you? Yeah. Right. And, And I think, and maybe you can speak a little bit to this, but the assumption of that is, well, you've done some research beforehand. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to have some feel for what you feel about investing. Yeah. You need to have some feel for what strategy appeals most to you is is going to form the best approach for what you're trying to accomplish, right? Yeah. So if you just go in with absolutely zero knowledge, any answer is going to be equal to any other yeah, answer, right? Exactly. So put in that work beforehand to to know if what you're hearing is the answer that you want to hear. Mm-hmm. But I think it's always good to kind of put the onus on that potential advisor and, and just let them talk. Right? Yeah. Just, just let them go. See where they take the conversation. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I think that'll be a really good way to kind of you know, get your feet wet with, with any potential. Yeah. I don't think, like you said, let them go. Like you don't want to give them too many promptings so that they know what you want to hear. Exactly. Because then they're going to start <laughs> telling you, like not all advisors, but some advisors might tell you exactly what you want to hear mm-hmm. just so they can get your money. So like you don't want to give them too many um, pointers of what you want to hear, yeah. right? Just let them run. And, and in my opinion, and this is strictly my opinion of if they start going just like in wild detail and it's like way over your head and not really um, layman's terms for that matter. It, it, I don't know if that's for you or, or if that's for the, the uh, potential client. Yep. So um, that's and, my and, opinion. And I think, I think one should... of the ways to do that, right? Mm-hmm. It's one thing to say, well, what is your philosophy when it comes mm-hmm. to investing? And any advisor is going to have an answer for that. Mm-hmm. But I think a way, you know, if they're, if all they're worried about is securing your business, yeah. like any good, sales role, right? They're mm-hmm. going to leave that fairly broad and try to get you to, to mm-hmm. extra, they're going to try to extract from you, where should I go to appeal to this person? Yeah. And so I think one of the ways you can try to kind of nail, nail that person down sounds harsh, but you know, not let them wiggle out of the answers to give them scenarios. Yeah. Right. You put me in a portfolio that's down 15% after the first year. What would you, what would be your recommendation to mm-hmm. me? Yeah, which is actually, I mean, well, I know we're still on technically in the first question, <laughs> right, right? But that is a question later on of like, hey, after after a year of negative returns, and this is kind of moving on to the second question of what you could ask them of if after a year this portfolio is down, let's just say six percent, it's just a random number. What do you do? Yeah. You know, um, I think that's a that's a good question to ask an advisor, yep. right? And, and that's just, and, and likewise, if if my portfolio is up twenty percent, mm-hmm. you know 
what's your recommendation going to be? If I, if I call you and say, hey, I'm nervous. Mm-hmm. I don't like the current situation. I think that I think that Russia is going to start World War III. Mm-hmm. I'm panicking. You know, what are yeah. you going to tell me? Yeah. Right? Like asking those questions now, because as an investor, you're going to have times where you're going to have concerns. And I can guarantee if you invest long enough, you're going to have periods of good returns and bad returns. So finding out from them, give them concrete scenarios to get a feel for how they would actually navigate mm-hmm. a real world scenario and yeah. not just let them talk in theoreticals, I think is a good yeah. way to kind of drill down. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, all right, next question. Do you use technical analysis? If this mm. question is, this is just a really quick one, we can move on to the next question. Uh, <laughs> if this is yes, you should probably leave. All right, next question. Do you use <laughs> hold market on, Hold on, hold on, <laughs> So I think it's a really good question. But define, a lot of people might not even know. I mean, tell us what, what technical analysis is. Um, basically... Oh man, this is going back to my certification days of mm-hmm. what is technical analysis, what is... Uh, just in broad strokes, in broad um, strokes. It's just using basically market timing and really yeah. trying to uh, to see when money's coming in, when money's going out and, and using volume, like if trade volumes are up, yep. like those kind of numbers to base on what you're going to buy that day and or sell that day. Yeah, um, so it's... It basically doesn't believe in an efficient market. Essentially, I would say that's true. So I would say technical analysis is, I think it, it can be involved in market timing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically the process by which you're trying to identify either over or underpriced securities, yeah. right? And when, when you say efficient market, Mm-hmm. The way we would kind of define efficient market is the price that you see is the right price. In other words, there's really no such way to prove, there's no such thing as a underpriced security because mm-hmm. what methodology are you basing that assumption on, yeah. right? Like at the very least, I have thousands of investors, potentially hundreds of thousands of investors acting on that security, mm-hmm. forming that price, right? The collective buys and sells on either side are forming that price. So that's that's a pretty rigorous way to identify the right price. Yeah. So someone else, you know, looking at financial statements and making a projection forward looking that says, well, this price should be here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to argue that's a little bit more wobbly than mm-hmm. the collective knowledge of all the investors acting on that security oh, yeah. at any given time. So it's basically just the admission to say, if someone says yes to that question, if they say, I use technical analysis, it's another way of saying they're trying to pick the winners. Yeah, they're, they're not using a indexed approach. Certainly, they're not using a passive approach. Um, they think that they have some sort of sp- specific knowledge or specific process that they can go through that's going to identify securities are going to outperform, right? So mm-hmm. if they say yes, then if you wanted to have fun, you could say, well, do you have any return information you could show me against the index that shows that your technical analysis is successful, right? And that's a little bit more of a combative question, but I think it's a fair one that if you're going to continue that conversation, if they yeah. say yes, I would make sure that, you know, yeah. okay, well, let's prove it. Let, yeah. Let's go down that path and, and see how it looks. But I think it's a really good question and it's it's one you can't wiggle out of. I mean, yeah. It's a yes or no it's- question. It would be uh, it'd be an interesting one if they said yes. I would love to yep. be a fly on the wall for that conversation. Yep. Um, so the next question, um, <laughs> another one that might be a quick answer. Do you use market timing? Adam, what would you say? What do I think the answer should be? Yeah. <laughs> or what is the answer for us? <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, what is, what is the answer for us? And also what Certainly is... Certainly not. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the idea of market timing is anytime that you're trying to avoid the valleys, right? You mm-hmm. look at any chart of any investment... There's peaks and there's valleys. It's mm-hmm. never a straight line. It's never an even slope from from left up to right. Um, and the act of market timing is basically the the belief or the hope or the desire that 
I can capture all of those peaks. I can ride the wave up and then I can identify when that wave is going to crest and start to you mm-hmm. know, go down back into a trough. And so I, I can lock in those gains, sit on cash during the downturn. And at the bottom of the downturn, identify when that downturn's reached its, its lowest point, mm-hmm. pile back in and ride the wave back up. And there are actually firms, well-known firms, very large firms that I won't name, but there are very large firms that literally have built their marketing platform over the last 30 plus years around this exact idea, right? They basically will tell you that their algorithm, their approach will never subject you to less than, let's say, X percent, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you, okay, we'll, we'll get you out after the first 2% of the drawdown. And here's why we can prove that. And here's our returns over the past. And the problem is they show you the wins. They don't mm-hmm. show you the losses. Yeah. And, and it's a very, I mean, the data tells you that it's not repeatable. Mm-hmm. So our recommendation would be any advisor that you're asking, do you market time? I would hope the answer would be a very clean no. Mm. There is some gray area there um, mm. where they could, I think, try to give you examples where no, fundamentally, but here we might. I think mm. the cleanest way, and tell me if you agree with this, mm-hmm. kind of what I counsel my clients is, hey, there's going to be times where we make changes to the portfolio, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's fundamental. You're never going to be in, you know, if you're 25, by the time you reach 65, you shouldn't be in the same portfolio you were in yeah. when you were 25. Yeah. The driver for the changes to your portfolio should come from you, the investor, not from the market, right? So, of course, there are times where you have to make broad adjustments to a portfolio, but in theory, you should not be reacting to what the market is doing today, anticipating what the market will do tomorrow, because your guess about what the market's going to do tomorrow is very highly probably wrong, Mm -hmm. right? Because there's only one event. There's only one thing that can happen and there's an infinite number of things that could happen. So you just have a bad odd. Um, So I would basically just say, hey, ask them, what do you base changes to the portfolio? Give me some scenarios where Mm -hmm. you would recommend I make adjustments to my portfolio. What would be the reasons for that? Do you think that sounds... No, that's fair. I mean, like, because saying the buy and hold method is, doesn't mean, what was it? What was the phrase? It's like buy and hold method doesn't mean buy and do nothing. Right. Right. Like there, there are things to do, right? For example, set example, something that we did recently was a lot of tax loss harvesting. We weren't yes. necessarily trying to time the market. We just took advantage of, well, this is a down market. Let's, well, let's and it's some- a perfect example because what we're doing there is the, the investor's needs are driving that decision. Yeah. We weren't selling the investments with the motivation being these are fundamentally bad yeah. investments. Like these will never perform well. That wasn't the assumption. Fundamentally, we believe they're still good investments, which is why it's tax loss harvesting, mm-hmm. meaning we're selling them for 30 days and we'll yeah. get right back into yeah, them. Yeah. We were doing that as a dry, and not by the way, side note, tax loss harvesting, it's very popular nowadays and it can be good. And in this case, it was good for a large number of our clients, but it's not just a blanket statement, something you should do yeah. in down yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's it's a specific thing that can be beneficial, but you should do so carefully and with the right amount of you know, caution. Uh, but for those people who it makes sense for, yeah, it was done out of a, this is the best thing for them, for their tax picture. And in their rankings of what's important to them, tax efficiency is the number one thing, right? And yeah. they have other situations in their life that are dictating that's the best thing to do. It was never done from a place of, oh, these investments have negative return for the year. Get yeah. rid of them, right? Yeah. That would be the distinction. So yeah. um, I think it's a really good example. Yeah. So, I mean, that is uh, another good question to ask. And um, hopefully it'd be a good discussion with your potential advisor. Yep. Um, All right. I've got one here that I okay. want to right. throw to you and I don't want to, I want to see what you say. Why are you in this business? And I like that question because 
a really big part of our job, and I'm gonna I'm gonna let you answer. Um, but a really big part of our job is has nothing to do with the numbers, mm-hmm. with the investments, with the ticker symbols, with the standard deviation. That's a really important part of it. But a lot of it is just connecting with another human, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, what would you say to this question first of all, and then what do you what would you tell listeners to to be looking for in an answer to this question? The reason I laughed at first is just because of the LinkedIn post that I've seen of why you joined. Um, yeah. You've seen it many times, <laughs> uh, many times. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I would say I just I one I really love working with people, um, and I really love uh, investing in the concept of investing in how important it is in everyone's life. And a lot of people don't realize how important it is. And so if I can. Um, be that individual they go to to ask questions for and and be a good resource for because I know that uh, at least I'm, I'm trying my absolute best not to be a skeevy mm-hmm. um, a financial advisor. Um, I want I want to be that person for people um, and I want to to give them advice as early as I possibly can in their life or whenever they want to come to me um, about investing and what might be a good move for them, a, a good idea for them and a good investment strategy for them so that they can one, sleep easy at night and have the investments they want. And as we deal with a lot of retirees, so um, so when they retire, have the money in their accounts, in their investment accounts so that they can live the way they want to live with the yep. family. Yep. Um, I think one of the greatest the greatest freedoms we can have is being able to do what we want with who we want for how long we want, right? And I want to give people that freedom as much as I possibly can. Like not everyone gets that. And I know that. Um, but if, if we can build that for people, that's yeah. awesome. Um, and just seeing that satisfaction um, and having a lot of, I just, I love talking to people and just um, getting to know them. Yeah. Um, just having conversations. There's so many interesting people. Yeah. So people are so people. different. Yeah. And that peace of mind, I think too, is really satisfying, right? When yeah. you see the light go on for somebody and you see the result of all that planning and all that, you know, certainly work on our part, but more importantly, the hard work by, by the person you're working with and for, yeah. the the changes that they've made in the decades leading up to retirement, uh, and then all of a sudden when they see the fruition of that work and it, and the peace of mind it gives them to to live comfortably and to live without yeah. fear or anxiety or um, you know, losing sleep at night, that's a really satisfying. Oh yeah, thing right. Very and again, yeah. we're not doctors. We're not you know. We, we there's a lot more important jobs, but it is one of the better part of our, parts of our job is getting to see yeah. that in people. Um, and I think it's important that you understand the motivation because to be clear there's a lot of i mean everyone knows in the world of finance there is a lot of money to be made Mm -hmm. right now depends on the firm we're a low cost shop you know we're not we're not goldman sachs but i think a lot of people do enter this industry either because they think it comes with um either a lot of money or Mm -hmm. a lot of esteem or a lot of um cool factor or whatever that, mm-hmm. you know, some, they get to post on Instagram that, you know, yeah. whatever. And, and I, I hate that kind of association with this industry. I'm proud of at least what we do. I think we're kind of mm-hmm. the antithesis to that at, yeah. our, at, at where we are at Asset Builder. But I think learning for any potential advisor that you're looking at working with, you kind of got to trust your gut on this one, right? You got to trust your intuition, but it's a good opportunity to give. It's a good opportunity to give someone to kind of open up to you as a person and see their authenticity come out. See, mm-hmm. you know how they think, how they how they feel, uh, what their experiences in life have been. I mean, certainly when I tell my story, that's that's where I start from is what my life experience has been and why I gained an appreciation for doing some of this, doing the simple things well. Mm-hmm. What a big difference that can make over time. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's, it's a, it's a kind of a silly or, or maybe cliche question, but a super important yeah. one. 
And I think I think people have this fear that investing is really hard. And one of the best lines, um, and it can be. Don't get me wrong. Like it depends yeah. on what kind of investing you do. Really you can make it really yeah. complicated. But one of the best lines I remember, re- remember reading from uh, the intelligent investor was: "It is extremely easy to get satisfying results. It's extremely difficult to get above average results in investing." Mm. And I love trying to break down that concept for people. Right? Like we can do this. It is, it is very possible to do this and get satisfying results. Mm-hmm. Now it is just, we have to understand that using market timing, using technical analysis and all that stuff to try to get above average is mm-hmm. what, like it, not impossible. Some people do it, absolutely, but it is really, really difficult. It's and rare. you will be paying excessive amounts of money t- for someone to do that for you. So it's just rare. Um, yeah, it's, it's just rare. rare. Yeah. It's higher risk. Meaning yeah. Th- the chances that you fail are higher than the chances that you succeed. Mm-hmm. And for some people, they're okay with that relationship and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but you just need to know that going in. right? Yeah. But I, I think to your point, getting acceptable returns, I mean, look at any index over a 30-year period, you'll probably be fine yeah. with what that return is. Yeah. And so that's not the complex part. The the fun part for, for what we do, I think for any investor, is learning how to navigate the ride, right? <laughs> While you're on that ride, oh, yeah. it can be challenging. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so I've, I've got one other one too. Okay. That, uh, actually, two simple ones I'm going to pair together that we can just kind of cross off real quick because mm-hmm. I think they're a little bit more practical. Yeah. One would be, are you a fiduciary? Mm. I think that's okay. a really straightforward, yes or no question, simple. And in my view, if the answer is no, meeting's over. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, We talk about this a lot, but for those that don't know, a fiduciary is simply um, a... a legally, you're legally obligated to do what is in the best interest of your client, right? So yeah. uh, if you're a fiduciary, then typically your fee structure, the way that you generate revenue, the recommendations you make, they're all going to coherently flow in the direction of what is in the best interest of your client. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be no conflict of interest. And conflict of interest is, they are everywhere in this industry. So oh, yeah. it's just an easy filter to say, okay, well, if you're a fiduciary, I can you know, probably still need to understand their fee structure and how they get paid, oh, obviously. Yeah, but it, it's it's a really important pass through of a filter to say, okay, well, then I can probably, I don't have to worry about, you know, some of the, the big ticket items that are going to be kind of not working in my favor yeah. um, for that advisor. And then kind of along the same lines is, you know, get an understanding for their qualifications, their certifications, their background. Make sure they have the the knowledge, the experience, the education, the legal certifications to be doing the job they're offering to do for yeah. you, right? Yeah. Um, and there are, you know, you can go to Broker Check. There are a lot of different. You can go to Finra. A lot of different places you can go to to verify that you know you're not being defrauded by somebody. But mm-hmm. um, it's obviously something that you want to do before you you sign on the dotted line. With yeah, somebody. absolutely. I think that's something very important too to understand of uh, the individual in the firm that you're going to be working with or hopefully working with. So yep. um, for sure, a very, very good question and something you want to have a good grip on before you invest with or, or work with a financial advisor. Yep. Um, the next question, and I think we might move into, um, if you don't mind, unless you have another one for someone to ask your advisor. It's a long list. It's a long there list. is I, a long list. I mean, There's so many good questions you can yeah. ask. This is not by any means you're, a... You're driving. I'm along for the ride. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. So something that I... If, if if I wanted to ask a client, because again, remember it is it is a relationship, right? Like we have to understand that this is a relationship. It is a two way street. So if if you're not going to be a good client, sometimes financial advisors won't want to work with you, and that's yeah. just the that's just the matter of the fact. Like they don't. Not all financial advisors need business at all times, and so um, yeah, not all it, clients are created equal. <laughs> uh, so I mean, if if the advisor is like, I don't know if I want to work with you, they can also say. No, mm-hmm. you know, um, so it was something to have, um, 
answers prepared before you walk into meeting with your potential client is 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 good, right? To have a few answers in your pocket would be a wise decision. So one good question to uh, have ready, prepared uh, in your back pocket when you go into the first meeting, your prospective meeting with your financial advisor is, why do you feel you need a financial advisor? Right? That's a good question to have because if if they say, uh, I don't really need one, I just, I'm just curious or I think I can do better or I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know off the top of your head, but I would like to know why they think they need a financial advisor. Um, if there's humility, if they yeah. show humility in that answer, I kind of appreciate oh, yeah. that, you know? Um, yes, yeah, so almost like, and, and I think it could help you identify like what, what problem are you looking yeah. to have solved? Yeah. Like what, what, what do you need from me? And, mm-hmm. you know, a good ethical advisor will, will be open with you if that's something that they're well suited to help you do. Mm-hmm. Right. Like for us, it's, it's obviously a lot of retirees. It's, I think that, 15, 20 year period leading up to retirement where you're, you're, you're in the heavy accumulation mode. How do I cut my cost down? How do I maximize the amount I'm putting into my savings? What are the best saving strategies? Um, if you're a, you know, if, if you're a, a dentist, mm-hmm. let's say, right. And you need somebody to kind of be your, your stand in CFO on the business side. And Hey, that that's, that's not going to be what we do. Yeah. Right? Like that's not our specialty. Um, and there's no shame in that. Right. And, and we're saving ourselves a poor experience with, probably not offering the best service we could offer to mm-hmm. that individual. We're saving them time. And hey, you know, l- let me point you in the direction of a couple of firms I think might be good for you that are gonna yeah. that are gonna be perfect for that niche. Um, and you're gonna help them, you know, have a better experience and yeah, not, overall, not waste yeah. their time. So um and and again, like as the client, if they if you get that question, just be open and honest. Yeah. Right. Be honest about your level of experience with investing. Be honest about what you want out of the experience. And it's just going to save you time in the long run. Because mm-hmm. I think, you know, we know from doing this for long enough, you know, we're lucky enough that we've been around most of our clients, or I'd say the vast majority of our clients, they know what we're about and that's why mm-hmm. they're with us. Yeah. Like there isn't yeah. much of this wires being crossed. But we've come across, you know, clients that have been clients for a short amount of time. Um because we probably didn't ask this question well enough, mm-hmm. right? And, and we could have saved ourselves a headache and the client a headache by just going, hey, clearly you're wanting a very active approach. Like yeah. you want to be in and out of stocks and that's fine, but you know, we're not, our business model is not set up to do that. Not to mention yeah. our expertise is not in that. Mm-hmm. We don't believe in it fundamentally. So if we don't believe in it fundamentally, our heart's not going to be in it. So yeah. um, I think it's a really, really good, hopefully you do get that question. And if you do, just be open and honest. Yeah. And another good one, and I think you kind of hit on it and it's, it. well, I don't know if you necessarily said it, but it's kind of to the same point of figuring out why you want a financial advisor. So this next question would be, what has been your greatest frustration in dealing with other advisors? So this is mm. obviously if you came from somewhere else or had a, a previous advisor, but that is also something really good to understand because it's like one, I I want to do my best either to say like, well, actually we do the exact same thing as them. Yep. Um, or... Okay, I under, I get to understand you more. I understand why you're here. I understand why you had a problem with them, and I want to help fix that. I want to help address that. So yep. um, that is something really good for an advisor to understand because one, they don't want you to be necessarily walking in the exact same thing you were just coming from, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that. that's a that's a really good really good question for an advisor. If you're an advisor listening to this podcast, ask, ask that, that question. question. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Um, and one just popped into my head, but it is more potential client to advisor, do you have any more 
because I, I like these advisor to client questions. Oh, I've got a few. I've got, a, I've got two more that I Let's really go. want to hit Let's on. Go. Okay. One that I think would be really interesting. And this is this is something that if you're going into an advisor meeting that I don't think a lot of people think about. And I didn't think about it until I read the book. Um, and this book was written in 2006. So it didn't hit 2008. <laughs> but so I, I, tweaked the, uh, I tweaked this question, but it said, how did you respond emotionally to the bear markets that began in 2000 and in 2008? Mm. And... I, that would be really, really good to know for an advisor because oh, emotion huge. drives a good, I don't want to say an actual percentage, but a good portion of our financial decisions. Above 75%. Okay, that's fair. I was going to say 80, so yeah. perfect. Oh, um, easily. <laughs> easily. Um, so like that's, I think for an advisor, that is really good information to understand of, because markets will go, like we'll have recessions. That is part of the cycle. Um hopefully not depressions, but we'll have recessions. We'll right. have down markets. Uh, and I would like to know, what are you like when times yeah. are not good? You know, yeah. like how are, are you going to be calling every day? And it's okay, right? You can, you, it is very, very understandable. And I, under, and like, I empathize with, it is not a comfortable feeling to be in a down market. I'm not going to say it's just mm. like, oh, whatever, just blow it off. Um, but I would like to know, are you going to panic and ask us to sell everything? Right. You know? Or, and and not that it disqualifies you. To be clear, if you said, eh, didn't think about it at all, that's going to that's gonna flag my radar just as mm -hmm. much as if you said, oh, I panic every single time and want to panic. So yeah. like neither one of those are ideal answers. Yeah. The honest answer is most likely going to be something like, well, it's tough. It's yeah. really uncomfortable. Maybe sometimes you sold, maybe sometimes mm -hmm. you didn't, maybe sometimes you, you know, use that opportunity to rebalance or whatever. The idea is to be honest because it doesn't mean, you know, if you struggle emotionally in down markets, it doesn't mean advisor doesn't want to work with you. Some of my best clients that I love, and I'm, I mean love, like I have a soft spot in my heart for them, are the clients that I've worked with for eight, nine, 10 years. And when they first came here, they were, you know, in that pool of people that really struggled like any volatility at all, like two, 3%, it was, you know, I don't like seeing that account bounce going at all. And then over the years, just consistent conversation, mm -hmm. I would almost say like counseling type conversations, yeah. right? Like just connection, um, education. Yeah. You see that improvement over time, over time. And now there's some of my greatest clients. Like yeah. when we talk, we talk more about life, how are your kids, how are your grandkids, how are my kids? Like it's more of that, that yeah. connection. And that is some of the most rewarding work. So it's really important that you be open and honest because you're not disqualifying yourself as being client. You're putting that advisor in the best position to give him the best product to you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because if the answer is, well, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm more likely to want to sell. Perfect. I need to factor that into the recommendations I make for you. Maybe we need some more liquidity in the portfolio early on. And then we slowly dial that out over the first three, four years as you become a more mature seasoned investor. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So the more open and all, like, like in any relationship in life, yeah. don't hide who you are. Yeah. Because all you're doing is, first of all, that's not maintainable. Yeah. No human can hide who you are for extended periods of time. Mm -hmm. Over time, people are going to find out who and what you are. Yeah. If you're faking all you're doing is delaying the inevitable. It's going to harm both parties. Mm -hmm. Just be open and honest, man. Just just show them who you are and let them, give them the opportunity to, to respond to that, yeah. right? And let them meet that challenge. Yeah. And I want to make sure I, I say this too. Like, if you didn't respond with a little bit of fear in 2000, 2008, like you said earlier, on, like, I'd be kind of like, Really? Wow, nothing. Like, <laughs> yeah. because I mean, I wasn't in the market in 2000. This is my date, some people here, but yeah. I was in middle school in 2008 and <laughs> right. I was uh, six years old in 2000. No, five. Yeah. Uh, and so um, you're dating me. Yeah. <laughs> so I have no, I, I don't know. 
I don't right. know. Like I can, I can tell you in theory what that's like, but I don't know what it's like to have your retirement start dropping as you're approaching retirement, you right. know? So um, I would be shocked if you answered, I was a little bit, or, or I would be shocked if you didn't answer, I was a little bit fearful, yep. you know? Um, and that's, that is perfectly normal, yep. right? But we want to be here for, to, to be that like almost therapy session of like, hey, let's talk about this. Let's, yeah. what's going to happen here? And um, what do we want to do in this? Yep. And, and just have conversations. So yep. um, yeah, absolutely. I think it's a, that's a good question to have. And hopefully your advisor will ask you that. Yep. Um, all right. And then the last one is when we look back a year from now, what will I need to have accomplished in order to, for you to be happy with your progress? Right. Mm. So like, let's say you go into that meeting, you sign a contract, an IPS, the whole nine yards and get and, and, and get funded, right? The this next few days. This is a good question. This is, a, low, we'll have this had, is a very underrated question. What will have had to have happened in a year to say that the advisor has done their job or done a good job? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's that's a good such question. a good question. Okay. So tell me why you think it's good. I was going to defer. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I think it's a good question just because it makes... One, it makes the advisor um, think and it kind of puts them back on what is your investment philosophy, yeah. right? Because, I mean, you want to understand, you want to you make sure that both expectations are set because a lot of problems in any relationship, again, um, arise from unmet expectations. Yeah. So you want to make sure, like I want to make sure that I'm going to meet or at least have an idea of what their expectations are going to be in the next year, mm-hmm. right? I, I'm not going to promise anyone, as any advisor should not promise anyone positive returns every year. That is, that's a big red flag. Um, But I want to make sure that I'm doing the the best job of communicating. I'm doing the best job of uh, relaying information, um, which is another way of saying communicating. Uh, But uh, yeah, I want to, I want to make sure I'm meeting their expectations over the course of the year. Right. And again, no doubt talking to them when, if, if things are not looking good, if, if they, if we happen to go into uh, a down market, um, how did I communicate that? How did I communicate with them through that? If we go into an up market, like how am I talking to them? How am I uh, communicating sure. with them of, of what we're going to do next or what we're, we're thinking about doing? Um, yeah. So I think just making sure I get those expectations set Absolutely. Uh, so that I can... I think it's brilliant. I mean, obviously it's, it's helpful as an advisor to yeah. have that information. I, I think more importantly, I, I would, I'd be shocked. Nine out of 10 people don't think about that before they go into a meeting. Mm-hmm. They're wanting to see, most people just want to see like, well, what are your returns? Yeah. You know, tangentially, what kind of funds do you use? What kind of positions do you use? What's your overarching strategy? Um, what services do you offer? But you're putting that that potential client in a position to actually have to think through, what do I want out of this? Mm-hmm. Like, am I in this for the long term? Do I understand what I'm signing up for? Mm-hmm. Because a year is not that long. Mm-hmm. No, when it's we're not talking in, in terms of market time no, frames, yeah. it's nothing. Like, yeah. I get asked all the time, what's the market do this year? Flip a coin. I don't know. <laughs> Literally, statistically speaking, it is a coin flip year yeah. to year. If you track yeah. the SP 500, it's one year's up, one year's down. So it puts that person in a position to have to go, well, am I after the education and the, the discipline and the habit building that is the best value you're going to get from any advisor, mm-hmm. right? That's why people that work with advisors outperform people that don't on average. It's not because the advisors know how to pick winners better. They don't. Nobody does. But they do know how to discipline, how to stay in the market in down, downturns, how to rebalance because rebalancing is very counterintuitive. You're buying the losers, yeah. right? They know how to save 
efficiently. They, there are some just tried and true tax strategies that you want to use. These are the things that any advisor, no matter what they do, are going to bring to the table that are going to be better than you, statistically speaking. Right? That's not an insult to anybody. It's just statistically speaking, it's, it's our day job. It's what we do every day. Yeah. So we have that knowledge and that experience. So it, I think it, it's a really good question because it's going to it's going to make that person think about it. If they haven't thought about it, immediately you have an opportunity to talk to them about it right now. Mm-hmm. If a year from now, if you say if my account balances are lower a year from now than they are today, if that's a loss, you know, I, I don't think we're going to be a good match, mm-hmm. right? Because I don't control that. Yeah. I, just like you don't control that, nobody controls what the market does over mm-hmm. the next year. Yeah. All I can control is the value add. So it helps them identify what are the actual things I want you to help me do, yeah. right? Is there estate planning I need done? Is there account restructuring I need done or their tax tracing to implement. All of that can be done, right? Mm-hmm. And that's important. And we can document that. And now we have our game plan for year one. But I think more importantly, it's just going to put them in a really good headspace to to ponder that and go, huh, I guess I really haven't thought about what it is I want out of this relationship, yeah. right? Yeah. Because it's not just returns. The returns will come over time. It's more about your expectations and what that's going to look and feel like. Yeah. Does that yeah. kind of make sense? No, yeah, absolutely. I think that's great. I think I, I realized that's my you're, favorite question of the day. No, yeah, I'm glad. Um, uh, as I was, as you're answering that, I was like, man, I think the first part of my question, I flipped the roles and responded as if the advisor was getting asked that. So, um, so yeah, sorry about that. No, but no. yeah, I mean like that makes sense. Yeah. Like it, like it really makes the client think, wait, why am I here? You know, yeah. like, wait, wait, why, why did I set this meeting up? You right. know? Um, so yeah, expectation it, setting, man, is very crucial in any yeah. relationship, expectation setting, right? Like, what are we going to get out of this? Right. Yeah. How much do I lean on you? How much do you lean on me? Can I lean on you for this? Or is that yeah. not something that you, you're really there for? You're not performing that function. So yeah, a really good question. Um, is there anything, let me ask you this. What's the, what's the most common question that you get? Do, do you oh, think man. that I get or yeah okay um from hmm. from clients potential clients a lot of conversation just even with friends is like what do you think the market's gonna do I think that's what everyone thinks that they're gonna come to an advisor and they're just gonna rattle off uh, opinions and right and right uh, again reading reading the book uh, psychology money it, people tend to think that uh, pessimism is more educated than optimism, which is really yeah. interesting. And, uh, but yeah, that's probably the number one question I get all you the time. Is, that is so funny because, I mean, you're absolutely right. Why? Because I, I think it makes you... tells me, but I, I don't remember off the top of my head what it, what it said, well, but because, it is, is interesting. Because it makes you feel like an insider. Yeah. Yeah. It's easy. I think optimism, we look at optimism, just go naive. Yeah. Oh yeah. Naive. Like you don't know how it really works. Yeah. To be pessimistic goes, well, they have information that, that the average person or they've gleaned or they've, they've obtained information or analyzed information the average mm-hmm. person hasn't. Yeah. And they, they know. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's easier to be optimistic or it's easier to be pessimistic. I think yeah. as humans, we have a default almost. Well, we want to identify risk and optimism doesn't show us any risk. So it's like, whoa. Right. Or like, you're not thinking about the risk here. And it's like, no, we are. It's just, I think it's, it's in the same family. This is something I, I tell probably every one of my clients is that it's been proven in behavioral finance that we remember negative events more strongly than we remember positive events. Yeah. So if you were just ranked, and this is what they did, they asked people to rank events in terms of magnitude on a one to five scale, mm-hmm. right? People ranked on average a negative event. It was like a 3.3 and a positive event was like a 2.9. So negative events that objectively should be equal 
mm-hmm. stand out in our memory more. We they they did just yeah. we we feel that pain. The pain of negativity lingers longer than the the good vibes that come with a positive emotion or positive yeah. memory, right? Yeah. And so I think it's in that same vein. Like someone giving us a negative outlook, we just go to that, right? And maybe that's a survival mechanism that we've yeah, learned over time, yeah. just to like it's wired and it's just go okay, danger. Yeah. Pay attention to that. Yeah. Um, and it feels like pessimism is more just rolling downhill as opposed to optimism. Maybe there's a little bit of mental uphill work that yeah. has to be done. Yeah. Um, but it's such an insightful point. It's such an mm-hmm. insightful point. And our view is fundamentally optimistic. Yeah. So over time, market's pretty good at going up. Yeah, market's pretty good at growing. I should probably counter everyone. Be like, well, what's your time horizon? And then they'd be like, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, well, they, any yeah. good advisor that I've that I've ever met in the industry, they feel the exact same way. It's like yeah. I hate that question because yeah. what do you, I'm not going to be right. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I mean, and if I am right, then everyone's going to flock to me, and I'm going to be like, whoa, 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 you know? No, they won't yeah. because again. An infinite number of things could happen. Only one thing will happen. Yeah. So if I'm trying to guess out of that infinite number of options, man, I just, I have an infinitesimal chance of being right. So mm-hmm. I hate that question, but I think, again, it's just a good opportunity to take that conversation, like lean into that. Go, well, why are you asking me that question? Yeah. Like, do you want me to make recommendations based on that? Because I'm just a guy. Yeah. I'm just a guy like you're a guy. I mean, I, I could, you could also be like, well, what do you want the market to do? And then go find an article that'll say <laughs> yeah. what the market's going to do, you know, like exactly. exactly what they want to hear. So Exactly. Well, man, we could probably, I, I could talk about this all day because mm-hmm. these convers- these upfront conversations are so important. I yeah. think, first of all, recommendation, read The Intelligent Investor by Benjamin Graham. It's a very that good one, book. It's a very it's good book. Heavy. It's, it is heavy. Yeah. And, and Benjamin Graham is uh, up here. And then I think there's a commentary, Jason Le- Zwick or something like that. He was, he, it's a side by side. Like there's okay. like chapter 10 written by Benjamin Graham. And then there's chapter 10 commentary, which basically is like, um, just a, it kind of puts it in better terms, in my opinion, more understandable terms. Boils so, it down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, boils it down a little bit more. But it is, again, a little bit heavy read. Another book is Psychology Money. I just finished it like yesterday or yeah, two days ago. It's a great one. It's, it's awesome. a lot easier to oh, read, a yeah. lot, lot lighter. Yeah. Um, probably more broadly applicable, I think. Very, yeah, very, very relatable. Like personal finance base. Yeah. But um, at any rate, put in the time, the effort in these upfront conversations with potential advisors. It will save you so much time and so much just Pain is probably a strong word, but just a lot of effort and disruption later on down the line. If you really find that person, right? Like yeah. it's going to be the right match for you and your family. If you do it right, this person should start to feel like a member of your family over time, mm-hmm. right? Like they should be ingrained. They should know your kids. They should they should be coming to your kids' parties. Like it's, it's a tight relationship because you know, your money is important. It does yeah. represent all your time, energy, effort, and your potential future. So yeah. um, put it in the time. And thanks for putting this list together. It of was course. really good. Yeah. I, well, I, I enjoyed Benjamin this. Benjamin Graham. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, making this list. All right. Well, that's two episodes in the books at, uh, what do we call this? Should we call this Asset Builder Studios remote location? AKA my house. 2.0. Yeah. Yeah. Let's call it. Yeah. It's probably it's more like 0.5. <laughs> Our other one's way better. <laughs> I'm excited to be back there hopefully soon. Yeah. Um, but anyway, man, I enjoyed this conversation today. Yeah. Uh, we'll be back next week with uh, the next episode. And mm-hmm. uh, as always, if you like what we're doing, man, give us a subscribe, give us a like, email us anytime at podcast at assetblutter.com. We love getting questions from you guys. Let us know if there's anything in particular you want us to talk about. Um, and with that, we'll sign off till next week. Yeah, sounds good. We'll see you then. Shout right. out Renee. Yeah, thanks Renee. Good job today. <laughs> oh, way, way to be our producer. Yeah. Enjoyed it. All right, we'll see y'all next see week. If you have any questions for Adam or Janet concerning this topic or anything else, please visit us at our home on the web, assetbuilder.com slash podcast. There you can find their contact information as well as the show notes for every episode.